The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Hey everybody, happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Got a lot to talk about on today's program coming up in just a little while. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the fact that Michigan is now joining this lawsuit against the border proposals, the emergency declaration by President Trump. Dana Nessel announcing this yesterday that Michigan is going to participate in a multi-state lawsuit to block this implementation of this emergency order. So we'll get into that a little bit. Also, we're also getting some new news on what might happen with this uh, prison, this private prison that was being proposed for Ionia in which detained immigrants would be housed, a for-profit facility, detention facility there. Of course, it was rejected by Governor Whitmer the other day. However, this company may buy private property to do it. We can talk a little bit about that. But what does it say about Michigan and its stance towards immigration policies that are being played about at the national level right now? says a lot. I'll have something to say about that. But first, I want to get into the whole Bernie Sanders thing. The big announcement today, Bernie Sanders running again for President of the United States. We'll see what kind of traction he has this time around. With the field a lot more crowded and a lot more left, is there room for Bernie? We'll get into that and we'll get your thoughts on that. Stay with me for the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Hey, thanks for checking out the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me on this Tuesday. And, of course, the big news that broke this morning, if indeed you are into politics like I am, uh, is the fact that Bernie Sanders has officially thrown his hat into the ring for president of the United States. Now, this is not a shock. Many of us were expecting Bernie to jump back into the race, especially after his better-than-expected showing last time around. He, of course, lost to eventual nominee Hillary Clinton, who then went on to lose to Donald Trump. And uh, I don't have to say a whole lot about where many of you believe that we stand right now. Now, the question is, is Bernie Sanders somebody who is actually going to be a a viable candidate in the race this time around? The field was quite a bit different. Hillary Clinton was, of course, the foreordained leader of the Democratic Party. Many suggest that the system was rigged in her favor. I always like to remind people that Bernie Sanders is an independent He caucuses with the Democrats, but he is not a member of the Democratic Party. And one of my criticisms uh, just in the last election cycle about Bernie Sanders was that uh, people were saying that the system was rigged against him. I've always thought that the Democrats should be able to limit their participation in their primary to people that basically identify as Democrats. I didn't see anything really wrong with that fact, especially as Bernie Sanders was seen by a lot of people in the mainstream of the party as bringing the party too far to the left. And if you want to get a sense as to how far left Bernie is, I mean, some of the ideas that he has, Medicare for all, which is not something that is that far out of the mainstream right now with the Democratic Party, especially with some of the new wing that has come in in this last cycle. He's also in favor of the Green New Deal, which was unveiled, which is a sweeping environmental uh, reform package uh, that would, of course, address the issues of climate change, among other things, and would likely lead to some pretty significant tax hikes across the board. Bernie Sanders has also supported a very, very extensive tax on the wealthiest individuals, a 77% tax on those making a billion dollars or more. He also has called for a $15 an hour minimum wage, which he suggests is the kind of thing that would make people who work full-time jobs on minimum wage 
It's a living wage is what he calls it. He's, he's in favor of a living wage across the board. He also sponsored something just last year called the No Bezos Act. This is the Stop Bad Employees by Zeroing Out Subsidies Act, the Stop Bezos Act, which would tax companies for public benefits that their workers receive. So, for instance, if you work for a company like Amazon or Walmart, you work full-time, and you still qualify for public assistance in the form of food stamps or Medicaid, well, that's one of the things he would like to tax these companies for. If they're not paying enough for their employees to not be eligible for public subsidies, then they should perhaps kick into the Treasury so that those costs can be recouped. Now, some of the other things that he's into. He obviously wants people to graduate from college debt-free. Now, one of the things that I've always said about Bernie Sanders is that he's got a lot of ideas that resonate with people. People like the idea of free college. They like the idea of a higher minimum wage. But he's always been somewhat coy on figuring out exactly how this stuff was going to be paid for other than talking about taxing the richest Americans. But unless there's a wholesale tax reform effort in this country which eliminates most of the loopholes that most people who are making a billion dollars utilize, then that's not going to make a huge difference. Until we're talking about capital gains tax reform, for instance, we're really not going to touch the Income Act because most of these people don't get their income through salaries. It comes through capital gains on stock purchases and things along those lines. Deferred compensation through stocks, and that's when they can cash that in. And when they gain money on those, they get taxed at a much lower rate, closer to 12% than what the highest rate would be on income tax. So unless you're going to do something like that, that might not be that realistic. It looks good on paper, but it doesn't really solve the issue. Fact is, he's also, he is a socialist. Now, not a socialist like we think of in in Venezuela. That's not what we're talking about. Much more of a democratic socialist. We're talking about social programs, health care for everybody, Medicare for all, that kind of thing. That's the stuff he's talking about and a different distribution of wealth, but not exactly controlling the means of production. He's not asking for government control of all these industries, which you would see in a typical socialist country. There are degrees of socialism, which I think get mixed up in the political discussion. But there's also something to consider here. He is 77 years old right now. By the time the election rolls around next year, he's going to be 78 years old. Now, I remember when I was a kid and Ronald Reagan was running, he was going to be 70. He was going to turn 70 when he took office. And everybody thought at the time that he was far too old to run that office. Now, granted, there have been huge advances in medical care. Bernie Sanders hasn't lost anything. He still seems as sane and and as uh, with it as he always was. But at the same time, that is something to consider. 78 years old is very old, especially for a job that is as stressful as the President of the United States. It takes a toll on people. It ages them prematurely. Just take a look at any president from when they took office to when they left office. See the difference, how quickly they grade, how many wrinkles they had on their forehead when they were done. It is not an easy gig. And again, the travel schedule and everything else takes its toll. Now, I'm not trying to be ageist here. That's not what I'm doing. But it is something that voters will be considering when he gets into the race. The other thing to consider, for those of you that like his policies, that think that Bernie Sanders is on the right track, Bernie Sanders is not going to be the most far-left candidate in the race this time around. We're seeing some entries into the race that are going to be matching him step-for-step on a lot of the things that he's talking about, so he's no longer going to be sort of the left-wing alternative to those mainstream Democrats. He's going to be one of many, which is going to dilute his message. And so I'm going to be interested to see whether or not Bernie is going to be able to play the same sort of victim card that he played in this last election cycle where he got a lot of attention. He won a couple of primaries. He did. But he got a lot of attention for being the victim of what many saw was a rigged Democratic primary system. 
He's not going to get that this time around. This field is much too crowded. And he can't just say it's because his ideas are outside the mainstream or he's threatening, threatening the mainstream Democrats. It's not going to work this time. So I think Bernie's going to have a difficult, difficult time establishing himself the same way that he did four years ago. And it doesn't mean that he's a bad guy or anything like that. And I think he actually had a legitimate beef in certain aspects of how he was treated in the last Democratic primary. But again, it is the Democratic primary, not the independent primary. Don't be shocked if the Democrats try to limit the field in some capacity to make sure that it's only their own party members who are going to be represented at their primary. It's not an unreasonable request. And again, with so many other people in the race this time around or thinking about getting in this time that are going to be either to the left of him or right in lockstep with him, he's going to have a much more difficult time getting that much support together the way he did last time, where he was the only viable alternative to Hillary Clinton. If you didn't like her, you went with Bernie. Or you went with Trump and the general. But anyway, I'm not sure how I feel about Bernie Sanders getting into the primary. The more the merrier at this stage, as far as I'm concerned. The more ideas that you have being bandied about, maybe maybe you come to a better agreement on what the platform should be overall going into the next election cycle. I think that's important. But I also wanted to make sure that I got some of your comments in on this because I did ask about this on Facebook today and I said I'd work in some of the comments. So we'll see if I'm in lockstep with what you guys are saying. Maya says, he's been a staunch supporter for the little guy for a long time. Not sure how far in the web he has played. When going to hear him speak, he is always on point. Fab says, multiple candidates lining up for the primaries is healthy no matter the age, platform, level of progressiveness, moderation, or conservatism. I only ask that upon campaigning that the Dems refrain from extreme attacks against each other that come off as internal divisions and lack of focus. At the end of the day, our capitalism won't allow all of Sanders' ideas to come to fruition yet. It should be okay for him to promote it, though. Ian says, On first thought, it doesn't seem his road to election is as clear as it was in 2016. I'm not sure he has the support he once did. That said, there's 17 months to go until the election and things can change. Tim says, the Dems blew it in 2016. Bernie was the guy to press Trump on economic populism toe-to-toe. The job now is to reassemble the Obama-Biden coalition. To do that, you need Biden, Brown, and Harris in some combination. Cory Booker has serious upspeak issues that are hard on the ear. Stephen says he's been on the proper side of every issue for decades. He should have beaten Hillary Rodham Clinton and would have beaten Big Orange. He's got my vote. Next top choices would be Warren and Harris. Klobuchar, Booker, and Gabbards are no. Andy says he's just too old and too out of credibility with his staff sexual harassment problems. And that is a legitimate concern. We don't know exactly what's going to come out there, but they were pretty significant. He has apologized for the things that took place in his office. Don Ryan says, this makes me feel hopeful. I hope the positive energy can be recreated. Well, that will be the challenge, Don. Rob says, I do kind of wish he endorsed Beto and others who would throw his clout behind one of them. Unfortunately, Bernie is seen as a socialist. While I agree with about everything out of his mouth, I simply wish he would embrace the independent that technically is in front of his name and not embrace the Democratic Party. Seriously, they screwed him before and will do whatever keeps the party line. Also, in this meme-fueled political climate, most all our Democratic potentials are seen as left-wing extreme. While I personally am about as liberal as it gets, things that focus in the middle is the correct path. We have Roger who says he doesn't seem to be a uniter. His rabid fan base reminds me of MAGAites in their veracity. I really like him, but I do not believe he is the right candidate. Bill says, if Bernie had the Democratic nomination in 2016, he would have beaten Trump and we wouldn't have to endure the daily horror show. The Democrats' establishment so hell-bent on giving the nomination to Hillary, they gave us Lord Cheeto. Lord Cheeto. 
We have Megan, not a Bernie fan, despite my lefty leanings. We have an issue of respect and dignity that needs to be restored to our democracy, and he doesn't have it, whatever that quality is. We have Hardy, who says, as long as the final Democratic candidate gets 100% support, no protest, third party, or sitting out votes, 100% behind the nominee, I say whomever. Phil says, too old, next. Todd says, Bernie did something incredible in 2016. He changed the political landscape and made progressive ideology a mainstream electable platform. That's an incredible achievement. Now we have several progressive candidates running with that platform. Young candidates, women candidates, candidates of color. But instead of being happy that he's created that environment and guiding and backing one of those candidates, he's going to compete with them? That tells me he wants the power and prestige more than he wants the policies. Jeff says, Bernie was surprised by his own success in 2016 and therefore never detailed his signature proposals. Maybe this time he's had enough time to formulate an answer to that predictable question. So how are you going to pay for that, Senator? And Elizabeth wraps it up saying simply, go away, Bernie. So clearly a lot of opinions there and a lot of different opinions. I do like what Jeff had to say there about not having to formulate those opinions because he was somewhat surprised by that success. But the point that he brought a lot of ideas into the mainstream that are now being embraced by multiple Democratic candidates, not just for president, but those who were recently elected to the House of Representatives, and they are getting mainstream traction. And not only that, not only are they getting mainstream traction, they are getting some fear from the Republicans. Donald Trump has several times in the last week at his rallies talked about how we can't have socialism in this country. So if you're getting the Republicans to talk about isms, then clearly, clearly you've got their attention. Because some of these ideas are the kinds of things that could catch fire, much the way that build the wall did, for a while anyway. These are the kind of things that could motivate people to work. And I guarantee you, there's a lot of folks out there making minimum wage that would not mind seeing an increase to $15 an hour. As we navigate this healthcare system, and we pay rates that uh, many of us can't afford, frankly, all of a sudden an idea of having a Medicare for all system is something that people are starting to gravitate towards. Now, you may recall something called the Overton window. The Overton window is this theory that you keep talking about something. You're looking out the window. You can't see the issue out the window. But eventually, that window moves where that idea is in sight. That's clearly what's happening with a lot of Bernie Sanders' ideas. They're not just being discussed and then thrown away. They're actually being discussed and considered. That in itself is an achievement. And personally, if I'm Bernie Sanders, I'm proud of that fact. But it might be time. To pass that mantle on to somebody else that you can get behind. 79 years old is something to consider. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. We'll be right back. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. One-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor, and The Trip, wise relationship advice with hosts Megan Slattery and Tracy Evans. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Hey, I'm Craig. Thanks for being with me on this Tuesday. And uh, just to keep you up to date on a couple of things that are going on here, I wanted to make sure that you knew yesterday on the program, we talked a little bit about Governor Whitmer's decision uh, to basically mothball a proposal for a private company to buy a former prison, former state prison in Ionia, and allow it to be sold to a private company that would house detained immigrants there. She decided to refuse this when the company said it could not guarantee that some of the people housed there would not have been people that were separated from their children. And she didn't want that. She said it sends a bad message about the state of Michigan and what our moral stance is on this issue of immigration. We had the deputy mayor 
of Ionia saying that he was not in favor of this plan either and coming out with very strong words about why he thought that this was a bad look for Michigan and his community. I agreed with that point yesterday. Well, now it looks as if this company may still not abandon plans for the state of Michigan after all. It may be able to buy a private facility that it could then convert into a detention facility if it gets approval, of course, by the local community where it would be housed, the state of Michigan, and the federal government. Now, they could buy the private thing. It wouldn't have to be uh, incumbent on the sale of a former prison here in the state of Michigan. It could be an old school, perhaps, somewhere that could be converted. There are a number of different things that could be done. So that's going to be interesting to see whether or not they decide to go that route, or is the political climate here in Michigan enough to have this company take its business elsewhere? You know how I feel about that. I do not like for-profit prisons. For-profit prisons, I think their only incentive is to basically keep people incarcerated. That's the only way they really get paid. And yes, they aren't the ones necessarily making the policies for which people are jailed. However, if you look at the political donations from the major for-profit prison industries across the country over the past several decades, where's their money going? Their money's going to politicians who are threatening to lock them up and throw away the key. Three strikes and you're out type people. People are advocating for detention of immigrants as opposed to letting them come back for their hearing on their hearing date. Look at where the money has been going. People like Joe Arpaio in Arizona got a lot of money from these companies because he was advocating for these types of policies that would keep people locked up for longer periods of time. And at a time when we're looking at our corrections budget here in Michigan, and at a time when we're talking about decriminalizing things like marijuana and reducing prison sentences for people and finding other ways to deal with it, well, of course, these companies are going to find other ways to keep their places filled. And immigration policies like the one being put forward by the Trump administration right now fit that bill. I don't like it. I think it's a perverse incentive for these companies. And I think it's one of those industries that should not be for profit. There's a reason government does certain things. Incentivizing people to put more people in jail or passing laws or advocating for laws that are going to lead to more people being put in jail that maybe don't need to be there, I don't think are a good idea. That's just me. You may disagree and you're fully welcome to do so. But there's something else that happened yesterday too that I thought was important. One of the things that is leading to this, right, is this emergency declaration on the part of President Trump that we are in the midst of a crisis at the southern border. We need to build a wall. He wants to take federal money that was earmarked for something else and spend it the way he wants to continue building a barrier along the southern border. Of course, there have been parts of the border that have been fenced for a long time, but this has become a political hot potato after the government shutdown of more than 30 days. It's ridiculous. And if you look at the national polling and the emergency declaration, you'll see just how ridiculous people believe it is. Over 60% of Americans believe that the president was lying and didn't need to declare an emergency on this one. This is new poll data that just came out today. 90-something percent of Democrats suggested that this emergency was made up and not necessary. Now, a majority of Republicans said so, but more importantly, a large majority of independents also thought that this was BS, this justification for doing this. So Michigan has now decided, Attorney General Dana Nessel has now decided to join a number of other states in opposing this in federal court. Now, Dana Nessel called what Trump did the other day a, quote, manufactured crisis. She had a state, issued a statement last night saying she was joining the suit to, quote, protect revenue, natural resources, and economic interests from what she called Trump's flagrant disregard of fundamental separation of powers. She goes on to say, this fake emergency is a publicity stunt that will raid our federal funding and cost us millions. We cannot in good conscience stand by while our president seeks to undermine our own efforts to keep our residents safe and our military strong. Now, I keep saying 
over and over again that things are different in Michigan and what a difference an election makes. Just in the last few days, if you take a look at what's happened, whether it's Dana Nessel joining this multi-state suit, and I believe there's 21 states that have joined in at this, at this point in time, challenging the constitutionality of this emergency order, the emergency order that the president himself said he didn't need to do. He just wanted to build it faster, so he went this route. This is a constitutional challenge. It's going to be heard, well, maybe not, maybe somewhat quickly, but by the time it gets all the way to the Supreme Court, it could be two years from now. So if it really was a true emergency, why would he go about doing it this way? He could have negotiated faster with Congress on more funding for a wall than he could have going this route. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But this challenge is going on. So you had this challenge. You, of course, had uh, the changeover at uh, the DEQ and eliminating the oversight panels that business had seats on. When it comes to environmental policy here in the state, of course, that was overridden in the state legislature, and we'll see where that battle decides to go. But you also had Whitmer yesterday suggesting that she was not going to, not going to allow this for-profit prison company. So if you are a progressive or a Democrat or a liberal or a communist or a socialist, whatever you want to call yourself, it is quite a different climate that we have here in Michigan these days than we did just a couple of months ago. Things are a lot different. And so when you think your vote doesn't matter, and even if these things get defeated in court or they lose, the symbolic importance of this kind of stuff does matter. It speaks volumes about what we value as a state. I will say this time and time again. It's about our values, how we want to present ourselves to the rest of the world. For my money, I think we're in a better place than we were a few months ago. You may disagree. And again, that's what makes this country great. We're allowed to disagree with each other. And you may send me letters. You may sit there and send messages on Facebook that tell me that I stink. And I've seen those before, and it's okay. But Michigan is not the same place it was just a few months ago. We'll keep following this and let you know what happens. But anyway, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, the sun is shining out there a little bit today, feeling just a bit more optimistic about my home state. Well, thanks for listening today. Thanks for listening to The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. I do appreciate it. Subscribe if you get your podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, hit like, rate the podcast. I always appreciate that as well. And tell your friends, share this. Let them know that we're out there doing this every single day. Certainly do appreciate all the support I've gotten so far. Great comments coming in, and I'm going to try to work your comments into these conversations as often as I can. So have a fantastic Tuesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. 